This is Fan POV Podcast. Welcome back, folks, to Fan POV Week 4 Breakdown Edition. This is your morning host, Jake Skeens, the Cowboy Killer. And as always, I'm joined by one of the one and only Dougie Fresh. Doug, how are we doing today, my man? Doing good, man. Just happy to be back after a week off due to some uncertain unfortunate circumstances but we're here weekly from here on out two shows a week make sure you follow us on twitter at fan pov pod brand new twitter come interact with us there man big things happening here over at fan pov how you doing bud i'm not too bad and yeah that's that's a good point doug we apologize for last week uh, i won't say unfortunate events you know one of our producers was uh, on a much needed vacation it's unfortunate that we couldn't get uh, an episode out to you guys but you know the man was well-deserved in his vacation, and we appreciate him for everything he does. But uh, as far as that goes, man, uh, I'm doing good, my friend. Uh, I can't say cowboy-wise I am, but uh, we can get into that later. Uh, today, folks, we're going to touch base on the winless teams, the most shocking of those teams, who's in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, and who can if any of those teams can bounce back and make something of themselves. Afterwards, Doug and I will be looking ahead at the Week 4 games like we always do. Give you the teams we like. Hopefully, do a little better on our uh, hot t- our hot picks of the week. Uh, you know, specifically myself. And uh, as always, though, we like to start with our weekly news. Doug, what's the biggest headline? I think uh, I think is the most obvious one we want to touch base on. So the biggest headline is today. The NFL came out with the statement. Uh, the statement reads: On Tuesday, the Tennessee Titans were forced to suspend all in-person club activities due to eight new positive COVID-19 tests. Since they played against the Minnesota Vikings just two days ago, they were also forced to suspend in-person activities as the league attempts to figure out how to weather these potential issues. The solution that they're coming up with pretty much is that they could postpone both the Vikings and Titans game to maybe Monday night, maybe even Tuesday. If not, push it back even farther. I don't think it's really a matter of pushing it back to Tuesday to let these guys get healthy. It's more the fact that they had to spend all activities a day. You can't let teams not practice and then force them to play on a Sunday. So that's obviously the biggest news. Uh, I mean, yeah, you I mean, anything to add to that? Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. And I think uh, the thing that I, I was more focused on was is all of that going is if they try to have this game on Monday night, it's already going to be slated to be played at the same time as the Monday night game that's already on with uh, Green Bay or Atlanta at Green Bay. And unfortunately, you know, of all the games, you know, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, I would personally would like to watch. I think it's a more intriguing matchup of the week. Uh, you know, you got we'll get into it more with when we break down week four, but of, of the games, I would say that's probably in the top three or four that I'd want to watch. And frankly, I kind of would want to see if Atlanta can bounce back with Green Bay and see, you know, see that aerial show. But, you know, it is what it is. At least they're going to get the game in. I have to cancel it. You know, the other solution was they were going to try to make this the bye weeks for both Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Now, the issue with that was is now I forget which one's which, but one of them has a bye week week seven and the other one has a bye week week eight. And they're going to try to mash that together and then force a third team into switching bye weeks themselves. But unfortunately, that would make the bye week for Pittsburgh and Tennessee this week, which is far too early in the season, in my opinion. So and that just seems like a headache. So, you know, it is what it is. Personally, I wouldn't be mad if they put it on the Tuesday night so we could actually have, uh, you know, extend the week four football watching. Because, you know, I'm not really missing uh, Darman and Gregory runs or, uh, you know, fi- Fantasy Island or whatever, whatever's being shown <laughs> on Tuesday night. You know what I mean? So right. we'll see how that plays out. I guess this is the best interest for everybody, you know, so it is I, what it is. I think what I'm most interested in is seeing how 
well the NFL can stay water. Like this is going to show us a lot as far as the COVID protocol going forward. I mean, I don't know about you, but I doubt this is the last time that we see something like this come up. So it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL handles it and just see if they can just stay water. Cause I really think that's what it's all about. I mean, we've seen it with college football. Like everybody's just so quick to make rash decisions. The NFL is one of the few leagues that didn't do that. So this is going to show us a lot moving forward, man. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, this is their first initial test. Uh, I guess your uh, your first initial test of like what we're, what they're going to do with all this. And you're right. I don't see this being the first instance of this, but hopefully they can do it with flying colors. And, you know, maybe that would just a, a natural thing that they just move it to the, the Monday or Tuesday for the following that the coming up, you know, of uh, in the same week, you know, basically what they're talking about now. So we shall see. So uh, the other news item we were going to bring up and stop me if you've heard this before, but uh, a San, or excuse me, San Diego, an L.A. Charger. Chris Harris Jr. is uh, out again with uh, I'm sorry, Doug, what was it? An ankle injury? It's a it's a foot injury. Yeah, it a, Chris, Har- yeah, Chris okay. Harris Jr. suffered a foot injury in their loss last week to the Panthers. Uh, didn't look to be too serious. Nothing really came out about it. But now they're saying. They put him on IR, the short-term IR. They, they're saying they could put him on it twice. He's going to miss up to about six to eight weeks. Uh, it's just another case of the injury bug for the Chargers, man. They already lost Derwin James. They, lo- they lose Chris Harris Jr. This this defense right here is supposed to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, and now it's just decimated by injuries. It, it sucks, man. It really sucks. I just this team can just never stay healthy. It's crazy. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like, what is it? You know, like, is it is it the training facilities? Is it the the strengthening and conditioning coaches? Like, what's going on? I, I was just looking it up. They literally have doubled their injuries to the next closest team over the last five seasons. They have over 58 injuries of people that have been, like, out for longer than the protocol was at least four weeks or more, you know, four weeks to the whole season. 50, right. 58 in the last five seasons. The next closest was like a 20, was 28, I want to say, 28, 29. That's insane. And what's, and what's crazy is it's not 58 nobody injuries. It's always two, three big guys from their team every year, man. I mean, they lost Keenan Allen two years in a row. Derwin James, now they've lost two years in a row. Like, it's just, it's crazy that they just can't keep their big name stars healthy. I think this is uh, one of those poltergeist things after they fired uh, Marty Schottenheyer after going 14-2 and that season when he had LT. You know, no one understood that because they lost in that first round. So this is just like some poltergeist curse of uh, firing a good coach you should have never or something, man. Seriously. Schottenheimer's over there doing some voodoo on him or something. Who knows, man? Got one of those. Yeah, one of those voodoo dolls. Oh, that's awesome. So... Like we mentioned before, we're going to go over some of the uh, winless teams in the NFL right now. Now, we have to uh, be specific about winless because, you know, as everybody saw, we had one of the rare ties of this weekend in football. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, it was with two teams that are indeed winless. So, Doug, let's go through some of these winless teams. Uh, We got Atlanta, Minnesota, the Houston Texans. I mentioned Philadelphia. They're 0-2-1. We got Denver. We got both New York teams, Jets and Giants, and then the Bengals, who are also the 0-2-1. Doug, which one's the biggest surprise to you, you think, of, the, of all of these teams? So the biggest surprise to me is probably the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, coming into this year, all the talk was that the Vikings were going to win the NFC North, how bad the Packers were. I mean, they're sitting at 0-3, and they have two other teams in their division at 3-0. and uh, It's going to be hard for them to dig themselves out of this hole, and I, I just don't see it happening. That defense is absolutely terrible this year uh a couple of key injuries that have thrown, have kind of thrown a wrench into things but 
let's just be real. Kirk Cousins looks lo- looks lost without Stephon Diggs. Adam Thielen looks lost without Stephon Diggs. They're just they're just not a very good team right now, man. Yeah, I don't disagree. That was that's kind of a shocker. Now, personally, uh, if you we go back and do when we did our breakdowns of the other divisions, you know, way back when before the season started, I had Minnesota being a, a little down and out. I think I had them under their win total of eight and a half. But I, I got to agree with you, man. I did not see this one coming uh, as far as this uh, this big of a downfall, you know. And they're getting trucked too. It's not like they're just losing like thirty one to. Uh, Excuse me, they're not losing like 14, 13 games. Like, you know, this last game against Tennessee was 31-30. You know, the game against Green Bay was a 45 or 48-50 or excuse me, 48-31 game. You know, like they're getting a lot of points put on them too. So, you know, it's just you're right. Kurt, you say what you want about Kurt Cousins. He's not the worst quarterback in the world, but he's certainly not the best. And you're absolutely right about Stephon Diggs not being there. I think their flow of their offense was kind of – has been, you know, basically subsided by it. They don't know – Thielen now is the automatic number one. You know, there was always that conversation. People said, who was the number one on the team? Was it Stefan? Was it Thielen? Well, now Thielen's got an opportunity to be the number one. It just seems like he he wasn't ready for it. Or if he was, he's not showing it right now. And, and, and you know what? Shame on them, man, because if they can't watch the film and see that Stefan Diggs is a special, special receiver, one of the best route runners in the league, his elite separation on when he breaks off his routes. Like if they couldn't look at the tape and see that this guy clearly was better than Thielen, a 31 year old who you guys are willing to keep over Stefan Diggs. And I know Stefan Diggs could be a headache sometimes, but he's truly elite at the wide receiver position. And that's something you can't say about Thielen. I, I think they thought that they could, they could kind of get rid of him and have like an addition by subtraction type deal. But let's be real. That that's hurting that team so bad. And they didn't use him properly over the last three years. So they just thought they could dump him off and keep it moving. And clearly it, it's really hurting this team. I mean, Right. And, you know, and the other underlying fact that uh, I don't think a lot of people are necessarily looking at is, you know, they lost their offensive coordinator, uh, Kevin Stefanski, to to the head coaching job in Cleveland, too. So that could be a lot. That could be something, too, that's just hindering their uh, their flow of their game as well. You know, uh, I mean, you can name countless teams that have lost an offensive or defensive coordinator in the final season and kind of look into a completely different team from the year before. But I digress. You know, to me. It sounds funny because, you know, it, it is what it is when it comes to Atlanta. But the fact that they're 0-3 right now, like, let's be real. Yeah. And, and even as a Cowboys fan, they should have won that game. There's no reason if you watched that Chicago game last week, they should they should have won that game as well. I just can't – I can't wrap my head around how these guys just keep doing this. Like, they are the the proverbial, like, just blow this game team now. Like, it was kind of a ha-ha funny thing when they did 28-3 in uh, the Super Bowl that everybody wants to bring up. But literally – back-to-back games where you were winning in the fourth quarter not to mention up by 15 and one of them against Dallas you were up by 16 points with six minutes and 30 seconds to go against Chicago last backup week. quarterback yeah I mean and I watched this game you know if anybody was paying attention this was my lock of the week last week that was looking real sweet at 26 to 10 with six minutes left and then you know here I am texting Doug with curse words I'm not allowed to say on air as I watch them just completely self-implode, you know, I'm watching two cornerbacks go up for for an interception that bounce into off each other, <laughs> knock each other out of the way of the interception. It goes right through them to the, you know, the <laughs> wide receiver right behind them. Or I'm just like, man, like this can't be happening again. And of course it does. So I say they're my surprising team, but it's like, is it really a surprise? You know, unfortunately, like with their history, it's like, uh, they should be easily be two and one right now. And it's just, it's, it's a joke that they're not. 
You said you're surprised that they're 0-3. You want to know what I'm surprised? That Dan Quinn still has a job. Seriously, if I was waiting for that news, you know, one of those uh, notifications when I woke up Monday, Tuesday morning, you know, Dan Quinn has been released of his duties, but dude who knows maybe he's getting maybe he's getting a pass because julio wasn't in that game against chicago i know they also had over six people on their uh defense that were injured for that game too which (laughs) making that my lock of the week i probably should look in that a little a little more in depth but you know maybe he's getting a pass the other thing too is it's actually the owner's arthur blank's birthday so maybe he didn't want any bad juju on his birthday and firing his coach so (laughs) who knows here's here's the thing man stop me when i'm wrong Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded head coach. His offense is the fifth-highest scoring offense in the league, averaging 30 points a game. His defense has given up 108 points through three weeks. How does this guy still have a job? I mean, this is every defensive-minded head coach's dream job. You come in, the offense already knows what to do. It doesn't matter what offensive coordinator is there. Matt Ryan has proven this offense can be elite. All you got to do is come in and hold your end of the bargain, man the ship on your side of the ball, not be completely putrid on defense, and you still can't find a way to do that. And you know what? It's not like this is the first year and they're rebuilding, and I get they've had injuries in the past, but you're a defensive-minded head coach. Put a Band-Aid where Band-Aids are needed and, and get this defense together. But this is absolutely ridiculous, man. How Dan Quinn does a job is ridiculous. If I'm a Falcons fan, I'm protesting until this man is off the team. It's 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 it's, it's ludicrous. It's ironic you say that too, because one of the other teams that's a zero and three team that to me I also thought was I was going to see with that notification it's a fired head coach was Adam Gase. Dan yeah. Dan Quinn to me is the the defensive uh, version of Adam Gase. You know I always say that Adam Gase got a lot of got a lot of hype or whatever because he was Peyton Manning's like uh, QB coach and offensive coordinator in Indy. It's like, well, you know, Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for the Seattle, uh, for the Seattle Seahawks when they had the Legion of boom, you know what I mean? So like how hard is it to coach that, that squad up? You know what I mean? So I just, I just want to throw out a little stat about Adam Gase. I will never compare anyone to Adam Gase because let me tell you something. My New York football giants are 0-3, right? And they have a point differential of minus 41 through three weeks. And that seems crazy. As you go through the league, that number jumps out crazy. There's no one with even half of that. There's one team with a 20, a minus 28 point differential. Then you scroll up to the to the New York Jets. They're at minus 57 point differential, man. That that's just absurd. That's ridiculous. Adam Gase deserves to lose a job. I don't know that I would ever compare anyone to Adam Gase. That that's got to be one of the worst coaches in NFL history. That might be one. Of, that might be one of the worst uh, point differentials. You know, at, at this point of the, you know, we're already talking about week three. That's an average of almost twenty that's points what I'm a game. Saying. So that's to the crazy to the listeners out there, when when we talk about point differential, basically what they're doing is they're adding uh, your score and then your opponent's score for, like for example, these last three weeks. So basically. For example, let's say I don't have it right off the top of my head, but like, you know, a positive number like the Chiefs would be like a plus, you know, 20, whatever, or Baltimore be probably in that range, too. But the fact that there's been over 50, basically over three weeks that the Jets have had 57 more points scored on them than they've scored themselves, which is absolutely insane. I mean, I would say insane for any other franchise. But, dude, you want to talk about a dumpster fire. Man, so fun, sp- fa- fun, go, go. fun fact here. I know I'm putting you on the spot. We're kind of get off topic, but any guess as to who has the biggest point differential through three weeks? Very, very, very odd team. As, as far as a positive number? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ah, oh, man. Now that you put me on the spot, I would have never guessed this. If you said an odd team, I'm going to go with. Give me AFC or NFC. AFC, 
two and one. Two and one AFC. Uh, nope. You know, I'm going to, I mean, man, I'm blanking now. Yep. You, you got me on the spot. If I had to guess. Uh, so what's, what's crazy is the Ravens are plus 35, even after taking a pretty nice whooping on, on Monday night, but it's the Colts at plus 39, man. Wow. That would, yeah, that would have never, I would have never. And the Colts have a, a one point win over a, over Minnesota, it's just because of that big blowout last week. Wow. But see, that's crazy because they also lost to Jacksonville, you know, in week that's one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah and they lost, and then they have a one-point win, but they well, just it's blew out. They, yeah, they blew out the Jets. The Jets. Yeah, that must have Now, helped. before we get into this, I just want to apologize because last week I, I, I had a really great betting week last week, and I had a lot of games that I liked and a lot of games that hit. And I went back and forth between – I don't know why I would ever do this. I went back and forth between the Patriots and the Jets, man. And for some reason, I gave out the Jets minus uh, – or plus 11 and a half as my best bet – or as my lock of the week, man. And that one really bit me in the Wow. In the butt. I didn't even know that one because last, yeah. last we discussed, you were going with New England. And I was like, yeah, at least Doug yeah, hit his, you know, as, as I'm watching Atlanta uh, implode. Yeah, but <laughs> That hurt. That hurt. That That's hurt. Rough, hey. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. So speaking of the Jets and uh, the, all, all the other uh, winless teams, who do you think's in the uh, the runnings for Trevor Lawrence? The, the sweepstakes for him next year. I mean, in the sweepstakes, there's a couple of teams, man. I think that the Denver Broncos go into full tank mode at this point without Drew Locke. I think I think they're going to go into full tank mode. I think that the Jets. I mean, whether they want to or not, they're in full tank mode. The Giants, again, whether they want to or not, they're in full tank mode. I think those are the three that really, really are in the sweepstakes. Truthfully, if I was Minnesota, I think that I would try to go to a team like Denver and say, hey, maybe maybe we can talk Kirk Cousins. He just got a new deal, so you don't have to pay him. Because, I mean, man, that team with Trevor Lawrence is scary if they can get if Zimmer can get that defense firing on all cylinders. But it comes down to the New York teams. One of these teams is going to have Trevor Lawrence next year, and one of them is going to have Justin Fields. When I look at them, I just don't know how you don't pick the Jets. This team is awful, man. Without Le'Veon Bell on the field, when you watch this team, I mean, it doesn't even look like it's a real NFL team. You know, it's it's ridiculous. I heard a crazy stat. So they have, you know, the Angels wonder uh, Frank Gore they signed, you know, at the beginning of the offseason. Frank Gore in the last game against the Colts had 22 carries. Le'Veon Bell did not even have 22 carries in the first two games before before he was injured. I thought that was insane. Like, does Frank Gore ever die? Is this guy just like the the Energizer Bunny? Or I don't even have like a good analogy, you know? Like, geez, he had 22 carries, and I mean, not that he killed it by any means, but dude, like this guy's what 37 years old, and he's still doing this. Like, good for him, man. I thought that was insane. So this this is something I never thought I would say about Adam Gase, but because you know when it first when he first started being pretty bad as head coach, the thought was, well, maybe he's a better offensive coordinator than he is a head coach. If I'm any of the other 31 teams in the league, I'm not even letting this guy on my staff, and here's why. He's never had a good relationship with any of his stars. None of them. He doesn't give Le'Veon Bell the ball, so he clearly holds grudges. He beefed with Kenyon Drake when he was in Miami. He beefed with Robbie Anderson last year. Like, it's always something with a star. He beefed with, uh, what was the defensive player you traded out of Miami? Um you're talking about uh, uh, Oliver uh, or Olivia, Olivia, Olivia Vernon. Vernon. Yeah, yeah. Olivia Oliver. Vernon. He didn't even trade him out of there. He ended up, Olivia Vernon ended up signing with the Giants, but he had beef with him. He has beef with every one of his stars or any any player that matters. So, like, I wouldn't even bring him on to my staff at this point. The guy just seems like a weirdo as well. He has a really weird energy. I don't know if you ever watched any of his press conferences. Yeah, when he got He's hired. Like, he, he, yeah, well, that one was really weird. I don't know what kind of drugs he was doing that day, but <laughs> – 
what, what I'm saying is like when, when he speaks, he has this brashness and this bravado to him, like as if he's won anything before. And I'm just like, dude, you haven't won anything in this league. I don't know where this like this like douchebag mentality comes from. But when he talks, he sticks his chest out and he says things real brash and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me your minus 57 through three weeks. That's ridiculous, man. I would not even, I wouldn't even let him anywhere near my team if I ran an organization. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that who, one bit. So who, who do you think wins the Trevor Lawrence? I mean, to be honest, you, you named all the teams I was thinking about, but the thing I was going to mention is I, I feel bad for Trevor. Like, to be honest, I would love to see somebody like Denver and I don't want to see someone tank, but man, we're talking about them starting. Uh, Mark Rippon's kid, uh, Brian Rippon this week. Is it Brian? Yeah, yeah it is. I know. I know it's Mark Rippon's kid from way back when with the, the Washington football team. But, uh, I mean, dude, they're just so decimated on that team as well. It's just like I would – I just think with what they have, you know, with Cortland Sutton being out too and everything, Denver could offer uh, Trevor Lawrence a real chance at doing something. And the same with the Vikings, you know what I mean? Like if they got him on the Minnesota next year like you talked about – I mean, that's still that's a team that still has pieces around them that could do something. Now, they need to shore up that offensive line. I think that's been a lot of their issue, too, in Minnesota. But, you know, something like that. But, dude, I mean, man, you just go to the Jets and, I mean, what is this, rebuild number four? Like, I think they've literally had, you know, 2012, 2015, and now 2017. It's all been, like, a rebuilding, like, all right, let's just blow it all down and, like, start over again. And they're going to do this again. Not to mention you just took, you know, you just took Sam Darnold and, like I mentioned, 2017 as your third overall pick, like, yeah, I just feel so bad for Trevor. I feel bad for a lot of these these uh, first overall picks, man. You know, I mean, I guess there's, yeah. a, there's a reason they have the first overall, but at the same time, like some of them a lot have a lot more upside than others. You know what I mean? I just I feel so bad for anyone who goes to the Jets, man. At least when you look at these other zero and three teams, and I'm a fan of a terrible team as well. Like the Giants are complete garbage. That's an episode for another day. But at least when you look at these other bad teams. They have pieces you can pair him with. When you look at the Jets, they have a bad offensive line. Le'Veon Bell seems like he's probably gone after this year. They have no wide receivers. I mean, who's their best wide receiver right now? Braxton Berrios? Like, they, they have no help for any young quarterback that goes there, and they wonder why Darnold can't succeed. I don't even know that it's Darnold's fault, but we it's impossible to know simply because no one could succeed with that team. If you – the place that I would love to see him go would be Denver just because he's surrounded by talent. He would have Noah Fan, who's looked amazing this year. He would have Jerry Judy, who I don't know if you've watched any Broncos games. We haven't really talked about this. But Jerry Judy, his numbers may not be there, but this dude is destroying people off the line of scrimmage and showing why he is so why he was so like sought after. If he goes to the Giants, at least he has some speed around him. He has Saquon Barkley. They're trying to build their offensive line. Like he has a couple of like they're albeit slot guys at receiver, at least someone to throw the ball to. If he goes to Minnesota, we already know he has Delvin Cook. He's got Thielen, uh, Justin Jefferson had a big week this year. Yeah, he's been looking good too himself, like you mentioned. So, like, like at least any of these other teams, he at least has a chance. But, if if, man, whoever goes to that Jets team, I'm not going to lie. I would almost want to pull an E-line to say, look, man, I'm not playing for this team. And I'm not somebody to be like that, but how can – at the end of the day, it's a business, man. You got to get paid long term. How can you succeed in that New York Jets team? How could you succeed as a quarterback? It's impossible. Yeah, it's extremely hard, like you mentioned. Like you know, especially you know, we we imagine you know Adam Gates isn't making it through the whole entire season. You know, I guess it would depend on who they would hire, but 
same time, man, it's just like, it's such a dismal franchise and it's not even, you know, even when it comes to the coach and everything like that, you still have the, the front office too, that, and the owners that are making decisions as well, that just kind of baffling and, you know, kind of scratch your head. But, but yeah, so, uh, I guess we're, you know, I heard a crazy thing that, uh, somebody kind of brought up in one of the podcasts I listen to daily or, uh, basically mentioned that maybe what if Atlanta wears the tank and they, and they traded Matt Ryan away, you could probably still get something for Matt Ryan. And then have them, and then have them take Trevor Lawrence. I thought that was pretty intriguing. I was like, uh, it seems a little far fetched, but you know that that's not the craziest idea in the world. I mean, Matt is now thirty three years old, or getting you know thirty two going into thirty three. Uh, right. I mean, you know, and they should be obviously you'd have Julio, who's still up there too. I get, but you know, still Kevin Ridley, and you know, or Gage would be coming back too. I know he just got banged up in this last game, but that'd be that's not like a terrible like thought process, like you know. Ah, That'd be kind of fun too, but yeah. Anybody I just feel like basically anybody but the Jets is what we're what we're saying. Yeah, for sure. I just feel like the Falcons are just one coach away from being good, man. If your team can average thirty a game, which is what they're averaging through three weeks, man, you can be a good team. You, I'm looking at this list of the NFL standings. Every team that averages over 80, 80 points, there's not a single team that averages over eighty points that's not second in their division or better, except for the Falcons. Like, yeah, isn't that crazy? So, real quick, I know we're kind of going long here, but what team do you think can turn it around, man? Oh, easily the Houston Texans. Like, I don't know who had some vendetta against the Texans, you know, making this schedule for the season. But you start off in Kansas City on their on the opening night when they do the ring ceremony. Then he goes to Baltimore. And then you have to go against, you know, arguably the best defense in the league with uh, Pittsburgh back to back to back weeks. Now, in my opinion, they had that game last week. They were up 21 to 20 with Pittsburgh. I think they just kind of got, you know, worn out a little bit and just let that game slip away from them. But of all those teams, Texans can t- turn around myself. You know, ironically, they play the Vikings this week who have also not looked that well but you know you know houston still has you know they still got to play the jaguars twice they still get indy twice uh you know i'm not sold on indy just you know just because they beat the wheels off of the jets last week but you know they have a chance to turn around i mean truthfully they have an opportunity to, to win that division. Well, eh, maybe not with the tennessee titans in it but they at least can make a run for the the division i think uh that that seems like a no-brainer to me just because simply who they played in the first three weeks of the season you know what i mean Right. So for me, I mean, I like that call. You know, I'm not a big fan of the. Yo, I know. The Texans. I, yeah, neither am I. I mean, how many times? Right. Have we, how many times have we have all mentioned that Bill O'Brien is the reason we made this show? Like, could we not be the GM right. of that team? But yeah, need, I, need we need we go back a couple episodes to the hot take episode when I said, yeah, you're Houston right. Houston Texans will be picking top ten this year. But for me, the team that could turn it around, and I just can't get off this team, and I think it's the Falcons. Here's why. You would think through three weeks that I mean, you would think that they, uh, them going on three with the Saints and Buccaneers in their division, they would be way out of the playoff picture or whatever. But the Buccaneers that lead the division right now, they're only two and one. The Saints are injured all over the place. They're only one and two. The Falcons do play Green Bay this week, so I mean, it's a tough matchup. But if they can get a win this week against Green Bay, they're one and three. You don't got to worry about the Panthers. They could if they can beat. If they can beat the Packers this this week, then they go. They are at home against the Panthers. That's a win. They're at the Vikings. They can win that. They're at home against the Lions. They can win that. They're at the Panthers again. They can win that. They're at home against the Broncos, and then they play the Saints. That's five winnable games after the Packers. If they can beat the Packers, they can turn this thing around quickly. Now, see, if you would have asked me this question this time last week, I would have given you those same exact that answer at the Falcons. 
I thought for sure, and this is why it was my lock of the week. I thought for sure after the way they that debacle they had in Dallas that they were going to come out guns a blazing and they're going to just beat the wheel, uh, beat the doors off of the Bears last week. And for the most part, they were for the first three and a half quarters, you know. But I don't know. To me, I, that makes me they make me nervous now because that of of the way they lost that game to the Bears. Like I just don't know if that was just that final straw that took the wind out of their sails, and that's just like that defeating, deflating, just you know, well, shit, you know, type feeling or whatever. So, right. like I said, this I think what happens is they lose this week and Dan Quinn finally gets the ax. And a lot of times I've, I've seen this many times in the NFL, when a coach gets fired and, and an interim coach comes in, it gives the team a little shot in the arm, even if it's only for one week. But like I said, they have five good games. I have a feeling they lose to Green Bay probably pretty bad this week. I think Green Bay on offense can do whatever they want against this team. And, uh, once they lose them, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. They get rid of Dan Quinn, and I think they catch some momentum and maybe win four or five in a row. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has looked like Zeus himself up there, you know, up on top of that so mount. Nice. You know, mount so on nice that. to watch. Yeah, seriously, up there on Mount Olympus, just destroying people with lightning bolts. But, uh, you know, so speaking of that game, you know, we're going to go down and break down the games. Uh, we're not necessarily going to start that one. I think that is the Monday nighter. So we'll start with, uh, oh, geez. I mean, keep it, <laughs> keep it. Keep in mind, we are recording on Wednesday. <laughs> the, the game I'm sure everybody's so excited to tune into on Thursday night. The two, you know, aforementioned teams that are both zero and three. We got the Denver Broncos at the New York Jets. Now, this is intriguing to me because it looked like Denver opened up as a two and a half point favor, but now they are down to just a point favor Denver is a whopping 39 over under. So of course for the folks out there, I think we described uh, over under our last episode, but uh, 39, let's just put it that way. That's uh that's extremely low for an NFL game. So I think that's our first over under in thirties this year. That, it, honestly, it's, I wouldn't doubt it, but who, who we'll, we can gloss over this one real quick. What do you, what do you got for it? Anything special? I mean, I don't even really want to break down this game. Like you said, it's no Ripon or whatever his name is versus Darnold. Yeah, Ripon, like Cal Ripon. Ripon versus Ripon, but Ripon yeah, versus not, Darnold. Yeah. Uh, man, what a! I mean, they did they follow sign, up. They, a, they did listen. Sign, they, they follow up a Dolphins Jaguars last week Thursday night game with a Broncos Jets Thursday night game. I get it. There's injuries, but this is still a terrible game, even when they're at full strength. Like, come yeah. on, man. Hey, that Dolphins game was a semi-entertaining last week, but uh, yeah, yeah, because it was two terrible teams that could score on each other at will. Right now, yeah, this might be the opposite of that one. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I'll take Denver real quick, just because I just I think the Jets are just completely out. At least Denver has some kind of like hope, you know, fight or hope within them. I guess you know so we forgot to mention too. Denver actually signed Blake. Bur- Bortles to the squad. I mean, say what you want. You know, he was on an AFC championship uh, playoff team. Well, in the playoffs for the AFC championship team, the one they lost to to uh, New England in 17. You, you, want to know my, you want to know my response to that? Yeah, no, I don't, but go on. <laughs> on to the next game, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so starting off with the Sunday games, 1 o'clock, we got, we got Indianapolis at Chicago, the 3-0 Chicago Bears. So, but a, as you would expect with that 3-0, that floozy 3-0 team, Indy is favored by 2.5 points going to Chicago. Not exactly the furthest travel in the world, but what do you got in this one, bud? Oh, man, now this one I've given a lot of thought into just because the Bears are 3-0, Colts are 2-1. Like I said, the Colts had the biggest point differential just because of that blowout last week. 
Oh man, this is this is like the perfect line. Two and a half. Two and a half either way, I think was the perfect line. Really, I, I don't see either of these teams having a huge edge over each other. Oh man, if I had to pick a side, I think I'm taking probably Bears two and a half plus two and a half, but I think I would stay away from this game. Yeah. The I, two and a half makes it tough. If it was three either way, I would take that team just because it would give me that um it would give me the push on a possible field goal win. I think I stay away from this game for the week. Now, that see, would be my analysis of the game, man. That's a tough one. Yeah, I agree that I stay away from this game, but I disagree that I would have Indianapolis. The fact that they are only minus two and a half and you're still getting that hook, you know, at least right. they're at least they you know, if they win by that a straight up three points that they got this one. But it's gonna be in the windy city of Chicago. Uh personally to me, just watch Chicago. They should have lost two of their games already. If you know yeah, if, if Swift catches a pass in the end zone a week one in Detroit they lose that. If Atlanta doesn't completely self implode uh, last week, they lose that. So to me, Indy's a, uh, seems like a little bit more uh, solid of a team. And, uh, you know, I know it's in Chicago or whatever, but yeah, I think Indy takes this with minus two and a half. Also, something I want to add about Chicago is I know Foles came in and won that game last week, but let's not act like he he looked good. He, he had three touchdowns. Uh, what do you go like? Um, Man, he went like nineteen of he was like nineteen. I want to say, yeah. It was, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a little lower than that. I thought it was sixteen of twenty six, personally, if I remember correctly. So it's not like he was like hitting every single one of his targets, and he had an interception. And so he had he had three touchdowns and a pick. He went. Hold on, I'm trying to look it up. My bad, guys. So he, he had whatever. He had three touchdowns, one interception. Right. He could have easily had one touchdown, three interceptions. He went sixteen of twenty nine for one hundred and eighty eight yards. Like that's close. Sixteen. I mean. 26. It's, it's not like he played perfect. I mean, he did get the win ultimately, so that's all that really matters. You know, like I know people in Chicago are celebrating. They don't care if you went if you went two of 29 as long as they got the win. Like, right. I get that. But he, he didn't play great. He actually played pretty bad. I thought him and Trubisky played about the same. I actually think him or Trubisky, whether they sit Trubisky, bring in Foles, or they keep Trubisky in, I think they win that game regardless because Atlanta just did what Atlanta does. I don't think it really had anything to do with the quarterback change. Right. But I, I don't know, man. This is just such a tough one. Like I said, I'm going to stick with Bears plus two and a half just because yeah. they get some semblance of points. But Yep, and like I said, for all those points you just made, I'm going with Indy. So on to the next right. one. We got the New Orleans Saints off their uh, Sunday night loss to the, to the Green Bay Packers. They head to the Motor City of Detroit. New Orleans, as a road favor, is a minus four in Detroit. What do you got here, buddy boy? Man. So if I'm betting this game, and I, I'm actually thinking as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking about putting in a bet on my bookie as we speak, man. Uh, Not a Saints sponsor of the four. show. Yeah, Not for yet. real. Not yet. Saint, <laughs> Saints minus four seems like the side, especially early in the week, because if it does come out that Michael Thomas is going to play, well, how much do you think this line moves? Probably two, two and a half points, so, which so is like, probably more than what Michael Thomas is worth. Oh, for sure. And that's what I was just going to say. But – if you hop on it now before that thing moves, man, you're going to get a nice little value. That's, that is correct. So, yeah, you know, the public perception, as we always say, fade the public. The public perception, people are going to jack this one up. Typically speaking for uh, you non-degenerate gamblers out there, most and most players minus the quarterback, so 21 other players on the team, at best can move a line at one point. Usually it's about a half a point if there's something special. 90% of them don't even touch the line in Vegas's odds. So the fact that what he's talking about, Michael Thomas coming back, you know, let's say even Vegas gives him a whole entire point. That would make 
New Orleans minus five. But the public perception is going to be like, oh, my God, Michael Thomas is back. They're safe. So this thing can jack up real quick. I want If Michael Thomas came back, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this at a minus seven, which is ridiculous. But And even and even without Michael Thomas, I think the, the New Orleans Saints minus four is still a good play. I mean, they looked good against Green Bay on Sunday night. They didn't look terrible. Drew Brees still – Drew Brees still isn't throwing the ball downfield, but man, Kamara is so special that he just he just shores up everything that Drew Brees can't do. And and yeah. I don't see the Lions being able to stop this New Orleans offense with or without Michael Thomas. You know what? And I had it in my notes too that I was going to read this team as the the New Orleans Kamaras instead of the New Orleans States because I mean, let's be real. You know, you see that the the what was it? When then uh, Kamara took that pass, you know, it was like a two-yard dump off, and he took it for like 52 yards, and he just, you know, basically just he-mans everybody. And I was like, man, look at Drew Brees' stats. I'm like, bro, he threw the ball two yards, and Kamara took it the other 52. Like, <laughs> I was like, hell, you man, know what? Me and Duck could do that. Right, for real. You know, as I look at this game, man, Saints are one and two. They desperately need a win. This is my lock of the week, man. Give me the Saints minus four. Lock it in. There you that, go. That's what I'm going with. That's lock of the week, man. Wow, you're not Get gonna- it in. Get in while you can get in now, man, before this line jumps up. I do think Michael Thomas plays this week. I mean, it's not a guarantee, but I have a feeling that he comes back this week. They didn't, put him on, they didn't put him on IR for a reason, which would have wiped him out for three weeks. He would have been out this week guaranteed, which makes me think that they're going to try to bring him back this week. So there you go. Doug, Doug has it at minus four with or without, without, with or without uh, Michael Thomas. So uh, I'm not going to disagree with that one. Um you know, Detroit's fresh off that wind. You know, maybe they got a little mojo going all the way out there to Arizona. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Kyler Murray's not Drew Brees in that in that crew, but you know, it was a good solid win for them. Maybe they got a little mojo. I'm not touching it myself, but you make a, a very valid point with um with the fact that they need this win, uh, New Orleans. You know, and you know, push come to shove. Yeah, push come to shove. You know, if somebody's needs it between the two teams, I would definitely side with New Orleans. So on to the next game, we got Arizona traveling to the East Coast to play the Carolina Panthers. Arizona fresh off that loss of the said forementioned uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, Arizona's minus three and a half road favors. Carolina's getting plus three and a half at home. Ooh, what do you think about that one? Again, this is another one I considered for the lock of the week, man. The Cardinals are a good team, dude. And honestly, the Panthers aren't. The Panthers are bad, like really, really bad. They look decent against the Raiders week one, a team that I thought was – another bad bad team they pick up a win last week they get their first one of the season i mean they're minus 13 point differential on the season so they, they've been in some pretty close games but i just i don't think they're that good without mccaffrey I, I think this this cardinals team just has too much firepower and the panthers just can't keep up robbie anderson's been playing pretty well curtis samuels looked all right dj moore's looked good like they have a nice little receiving core there but the Cardinals just have too much firepower. I don't think the Carolina Panthers can keep up. This is not a game that Teddy Bridgewater is built for as far as putting up 30, 35 points on the board to try to beat somebody. I do like Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. I just think he needs a, a good defense behind him. I like Arizona. I think I think Arizona covers that three and a half, man. Well, see, the, th- the only thing – yeah, um, I'm, this is a game I'm staying away from. I'm surprised this wasn't your locks. I guess that's our little controversy that we, you know, that's what we want. I was going to say though, the thing that makes me a little nervous about Arizona is Buda Baker, their star, you know, secondary players getting surgery on his thumb. It's not, it hasn't been decided, you know, they're going to see how the surgery goes, whether or not he's going to play with some kind of like crazy cast on his hand. You know, that, right. you know, it sounds crazy, but you know, that, that kind of would factor a little bit for me, especially with Robbie Anderson looking how he did Carolina, you know, the fact that they took all seven, you know, 
all seven draft picks were defensive players in this latest draft. You know, some none of them have really panned out to look super crazy good. You know, last week, Derek Brown looked great against the Chargers. But, you know, I heard, I heard a crazy stat that basically in the last three seasons, like, any defensive line has looked has had their best game statistically against a, the Chargers offensive line just because they've been so dismal. So, you know, maybe they can ride with that or not. You know, it's uh, it's hard to tell with uh, Carolina, but I would say if I had to lean one way or the other, I'm taking I'd go with Arizona. I just don't like the East Coast trip myself, you know. But, you know, to your point about how the uh, the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Camaros need to win. Uh, Arizona does need, need one as well, especially after losing that game last week to the Lions. They should have, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably should have won that game, especially to try to keep up with San Francisco and Seattle in that division. If they're going to, hell, even the uh, Rams, you know, that that division is so stacked right now. So, Man. you know, just for them to keep up, I'll, I'll give them the, my slight lean. All right, folks, on to Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Jacksonville is off 10 days rest. They are at Cincinnati at plus three. Cincinnati is a minus three home favor. Doug, what do you think about this game? See, I know I've had a lot of like games that I've said, you know, this was close to being my best bet or whatever, but this is another one that legitimately was close to being my best bet, bro. Here's the thing. Jacksonville cannot rush the passer like Philly can. I believe Burrow gets his first win this week, and I – believe that he gets kind of like his first sniff at a dominant win in the NFL. Here's why. Jacksonville's not going to be able to rush the pass like Philly did. Philly sacked Burrow last week eight times, and they tied the game. I don't know that there's another team in the league. I don't. I would go out on a limb. I don't have the numbers to back this up, but I don't know if there's ever been a game in NFL history where a team has sacked the opposing quarterback eight times and not won the game. Like that. That's that's hard to do. That's, that's not easy. That just shows how bad the Eagles played last week. But – with Burrow getting sacked eight times and still being able to put up a decent amount of points, still being able to like turn that into a game, ultimately getting a tie out of it, I don't see Jacksonville being able to get that pressure on him. I see Burrow being able to sit in the pocket, kind of pick them apart. We all know that their defense is bad, and likewise, Cincinnati's defense is bad. But when you look at the two offenses, which this is going to be somewhat of a shootout, I mean, over under 49, That's I mean, that's a decent over under, but to me, this is going to be somewhat of a shootout. I probably would take the over if I was betting that as well. But when you look at these two offenses, Cincinnati is just more dynamic in every aspect. Two bad offensive lines, yes. But, I mean, the weapons that are at Burrow's disposal, he has Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, John Ross, Tyler Boyd. I, I think Burrow gets his first dominant win this week. And I don't know, man. What, what's your thoughts? What do you think about that? So for the listeners right now, I'll just uh, point out that uh, Doug here has a uh, male crush on John Ross. So the fact that he mentioned him right now, like <laughs> you can put that outside your head. Like that's not real. That's not relevant. Rumor has it they're about to cut him anyway. So. I the fifth. Yeah, well, you know, that being said, I uh, I disagree with you, my friend. I actually like Jacksonville plus three. They're not quite my uh, best bet of the week or my lock per se, but I like Jacksonville a lot in this situation. I just think after that 10-day rest, you know, Minshew kind of called out uh, Fitzpatrick and his beard, like doing the mustache. I think uh, Fitzpatrick kind of had a little chip on his shoulder, like, all right, all right, son, I'll show you what's going on in this game. And I think they just got uh, – they got worked uh, worked over there in Miami last week. I think they come out this week. I don't think they're that bad. The fact that DJ Shark was out, I think if he comes in this game right now, it will help out their offense and the way they uh, scheme everything with that. I, I kind of like Jacksonville as a plus a uh, fate or a underdog in this situation. Uh, Cincinnati, like you mentioned, their offensive line is dismal at best. At best. I mean, they're the 32nd ranked offensive line right now. Uh 
you and I could rush on him and and get to uh, Joe, Joe Burrow right now. The fact that he took eight sacks last week, like I understand he's young and everything, but at some point that's gonna ring your bell a little bit. You know, man, I I'm sorry, man. I, I like Jacksonville in this situation. I mean, since we're being completely transparent, let's be really transparent with the listeners. As big as my man crushes on John Ross, it doesn't hold it doesn't hold water to your man crush on my man Gardner Minshew. And don't get me wrong, I like the guy as well, but let's be real. Minshew mania, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think uh one, I don't know that my my man crush is gonna play as much of a factor in this game as yours is, but I mean these these are our guys. These are two guys we planned our flag on. It's how many times they go I'm, up against each other, man. So I guess we'll see who's right. I will say to your point, though, at least my uh, man crush is on the actual starting quarterback and yours is on a third strings, maybe once in a while, blue moon, wide receiver that he drafted in, what, the ninth overall pick? Hey, yeah. but what I will say is uh, this, is, this isn't this is easy to do, but uh, he's the best deep threat on a wide receiver core that includes A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. I mean, there's something to be said about that, my friend. Yeah, when you're the fourth receiver in that uh, group. Yeah, you're right. I guess you're right. I guess you're so, right. Before we get in that wormhole, we'll uh, we'll move to the next game, which uh, pains my heart right now, is actually Cleveland at Dallas. Now, I will say as a Dallas fan, living in the Toledo area, have like we have mentioned before, uh, I have been doing a lot of uh, smack talk to a bunch of my Cleveland friends, so I am a little apprehensive about eating my words on this one. But uh, Dallas is currently a four and a half point favor. The over under is at fifty six right now. So for you listening folks out there that don't know what that means, that is a very high over under. Uh, Doug mentioned forty eight for the previous game with Jacksonville Cincinnati. That is actually the average in the NFL. So the fact that this is at fifty six means that Vegas themselves are thinking that it's going to be a pretty high scoring game. The fact that Dallas is four and a half point favors makes me very apprehensive. I feel like our offensive line, with all the injuries that we have, Miles Garrett might individually have six to seven sacks himself. Luckily, Dak's a little. Uh, mobile himself but man four and a half uh i think we win this game but i don't know that we cover the four and a half to be completely honest so for me when it comes to the dallas cowboys i mean i'm a huge giants fan and let's be real i'm not a big fan of the dallas cowboys i mean how could i be but what it comes down to for me is like i like dak i think he's a serviceable quarterback i think he's more than a serviceable quarterback i think he's worth the big deal that he's ultimately going to get with this Cowboys team, we talk so much about how, like, coming into this year, changes at coach and coordinator were going to matter a lot, and it seems like we give every all these teams a pass, but we never, we don't, we haven't gave the Cowboys a pass yet. I think once this team starts to click, it's going to click. I think this is going to be a shootout. I don't. I'm going to stay away from this game, and if I had to pick, I think I would go Dallas minus four and a half, just because I think they ultimately had the firepower to get past this Cleveland Browns team. It's just. This is two teams that are that have so much variance in their play. Like both these teams can come out and look like playoff contenders, sometimes even Super Bowl contenders given the week. But they're also teams, especially in the Browns case, that can come out and look terrible. I mean, look at the Cowboys in the first half against the Falcons. That was that was ridiculous. They looked they looked awful. What yeah, I will say NFL, is like I, I said, saying, go ahead. NFL record, three turnovers in uh, one quarter. That is an NFL record that we had against Atlanta, yeah. just to throw it out there. Against a terrible defense. like it, It's two teams where I think the ceiling ultimately is fairly high. Do they reach it? I don't know. But I think the like the pop, the 
possible outcomes for both these teams have Super Bowl contender in the cards. I think more so for the Dallas Cowboys than I do the Browns. I, I know we're still not really believers in Baker like fully. What I will say is I know I mentioned earlier that like there's a lot of games this week that I I don't really like feel like I care about all that much. But when I look back on it, there's eight games on this week's slate with over a 50-point over-under. So even though there's games that I don't necessarily like, I mean, we're in for a good week of NFL football as far as offense is concerned. It's going to be a fun fantasy week if you, you trust Vegas. And if you don't trust Vegas, then, man, come to me. I'll, I'll sell you something. Who knows? Yeah, you're messing up with if you're not listening to Vegas. I would say this about this game per se i always compare dallas as the nsc version of the cleveland browns in the afc we have the offensive talent we lack in defense uh it's a matter of i would take Dak over baker but i would take cleveland's offensive line the way they are right now compared to the beaten up offensive line that we have it's going to be i guess it's going to come down to who can at the very end of it like come out you know as far as the superior quarterback because i think i mean you look at weapon wise I, I mean odell jarvis austin hooper compared to cd cd lamb uh damn dude i'm messing up sorry dallin i'm gonna stop right now at 8 40 or 8 50 right now so i'm gonna start up real quick and start over with my dallas take right now Three, two, one. So my thought process is, I always said that Dallas is the uh, uh, NFC version of the uh, Cleveland Browns and the AFC. Like, we have all the talents on offense. Our defense, both of us, are kind of dismal at best. I like Cleveland's offensive line compared to ours as far as the injuries we have right now. So at the end of the day, I think it comes down to quarterback play. And I would take Dak, sadly enough, over Baker of all the quarterbacks. It's going to be a toss-up, man, to be honest. Um, we'll see who comes out. Like, Baker got a little bit of confident boost last week, you know, playing with the Washington uh, football team. Dallas, you know, playing with Seattle, I just don't know that we have the confidence going in this game. So it makes me a little nervous. So What I will say about I, Dallas is they shouldn't, they shouldn't hang their heads on that Seattle loss, man. That's a, that's a good football team and a great quarterback that Dak went head-to-head with and looked equally as competent, like – I mean, Dallas played well. It's not like they played terrible. That's just a really good Seattle team and a really good Russell Wilson that we're going to be talking about here next that they ran into. You know what I mean? Right, and I understand that too. But I I think at the end of the day, like we understand that D, uh, DK Metcalf let that touchdown go. Like we should not have been in that game whatsoever as far as like the end of the game when he threw that interception at the end of the game. But, yeah, I digress. So moving on so I don't get too much in that wormhole. We're going to talk about two 0-3 teams. we got the Houston Texans hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Houston at home is a four-and-a-half-point favor. Doug, we already talked about this earlier with the uh, uh, teams that are, have not won a game yet. What do you think about this one? Like somebody's got to come out, right? Man, so if you guys have been listening to the pod, and I hope you have, you can go back probably eight or nine episodes when we had our hot takes episode. And uh, one of my hot takes was that Houston picks inside the top 10. And I, and I mean, I'm not taking an early victory left. There's still a lot of season left. So I don't, I don't even want to celebrate that yet. The fact that they're 0-3 or whatever you want to say about them, I do think they get their first win here this week. What I will say before I even break down this game real quick is I don't know about you guys, but my bookie will not let me bet this yet simply because of the whole COVID thing going on with the Titans and Steelers. And 
COVID contact. So it's not even guaranteed that this game's going to be played. It looks like this one is going to be played and the Steelers game is going to be moved either Monday or Tuesday. We already talked about that. But just a heads up, if you don't see it on like your, whether you go through an actual bookie or a website, if you don't see it, that's why I'm sure they will be letting us bet it soon. But for me, I do think that Houston gets a win this week. And what it comes down to at the end of the day, there's, I don't even want to break this down much. These are two bad teams, two bad defenses, two bad offenses. There's one deciding factor. Deshaun Watson is leaps and bounds better than Kirk Cousins. And I'm actually higher on Kirk Cousins than most, I think. But Deshaun, there's no denying Deshaun Watson is way better. So I think that's what it comes down to. I, I like Houston minus the points. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, when we're uh, push, uh, push come to shove, I feel like Minnesota had a little easier of a, a track coming into this game. They still lost those games. Like they had that game against Tennessee last week and they still lost it. I mean, keep in mind that uh, Tennessee had a pick six taken back, you know, on a, a, fl- a flagrant call, like block in the back that was, you know, kind of shoddy at best. And they ended up punting on it. I mean, you take away six points right there, excuse me, seven. Minnesota should have lost the game a lot more handily than they did. Houston, I mean, they kept within the game in in Pittsburgh. They were up, you know, 21-20 going into the fourth quarter. They held their own against Baltimore for the first two and a half quarters. And then you go, you know, you talk about them playing at uh, Kansas City, you know, that bus all like the opening night and everything like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Houston, like you said, they're, you know, lesser of two evils, I guess. So I would side with Houston in that one. So then the next one we got is the farthest trip you can ever have in NFL uh, cities. You got Seattle from the Pacific Northwest traveling all the way down to South Beach in Miami. Seattle is a minus six and a half favor going to Miami. Doug, what do you think about this one? Before we break down this game, man, I know our guys that do the other pod don't like to hear this. But how can you tell me Russell Wilson's not the best quarterback in the NFL right now? I know Pat Mahomes just put on a show on Monday night, but man, I mean, this is this guy's numbers. 76.7 completion percentage, 925 yards, nine yards per attempt, not per completion, per attempt, 14 touchdowns, one interception. Like, I mean, so we talked about this earlier in the year when we were talking about Lamar Jackson. Now he had like a a 9% touchdown rate and how that's insane. A good quarterback, a great quarterback is like a five and a half, maybe a six, right? Russell Wilson right now is throwing touchdowns at a 14, every 14.5% of his, his completions are touchdowns right now. I mean, that's an absolutely insane number. It's it's crazy. It it doesn't make sense. Like this guy is the MVP right now, at least MVP favorite. Um, Take that one, Mike. I told you Russell's the best in the league, but back to breaking down this game, man. What it comes down for me is I don't think Miami's that great of a football team. I know like coming into this year they had a lot of they had a lot of like hype. I feel like I a lot of people I talked to talked about how they had gotten way better. You know, they built momentum last year, and I think they did, but I still think it's too early. They don't have their quarterback of the future in yet. I mean, they still have I'm not saying Fitzpatrick isn't serviceable. He is, but he's not a guy that can go out there and beat the MVP of the league in Russell Wilson. Like he's just not. He's not at the end of the day, I'm I'm not betting against Russell Wilson. I like that I get the hook and I get six and a half instead of seven. I'm taking Russell Wilson minus the six and a half, going all the way down to South Beach. Weather shouldn't be too much of an issue. What, what do you think about my take there, man? I don't disagree that Russell is 
at right now is the MVP of the league. You know, you even talk about like we mentioned before, like with D, uh, DK Metcalf dropping that touchdown, like in a punch out. Yeah, of his he hands. should have fifteen touchdowns. Correct, and you know, unfortunately, like at least he gets the yards in that, but not the touchdown. Sorry, DK. Like learn learn from our previous uh, Deshaun Jackson and uh, you know everybody else before that. Uh, to me, ah, man. Something about this game, man. The fact that the travel is there and Miami's on 10-day rest, the humidity in itself, uh, man, Fitzmagic, like what do they have to play for right now? Like this might might as well be their Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but I feel like they put up a fight. Like with the six and a half, I could see Seattle just glossing over this game and be like, yeah, whatever. Like we can, we can win this without a, uh, a whole lot of effort. Uh at the end, I'm not. I'm not saying putting any money on it, but I am not. I'm not super super hyped about the minus six and a half. I think they come out and win this game. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like Miami just puts up a fight. You know, this magic. And and to be honest, besides Jamal Adams, Seattle does not have the greatest secondary or defense uh, in general. I, I just feel like with ten days rest, there's a lot of fighting in Miami, especially with that humidity and the and the travel. Uh, man, I'm not. I'm not touching this game. I'm not saying like put money on Miami, but at the end of the day, I would say that Seattle wins this game. But I don't think they cover. And and here's the thing. You know what? All the points you're making are valid. And honestly, maybe this is like a, something for me to reflect on and, and become a better better on because this is a little bit of the public in me showing. Like I'm I'm only human, just like everybody else. You know, I have a little bit of public in me. And all the things you're saying are betting 101. They're traveling across the country, playing a team on 10 days rest, playing in a humidity that they don't play in normally. Like, those are all things you don't bet against. But, goddamn, I can't bet against Russell Wilson, man. I just can't do it. I, I can't. The way the guys I'm playing, the way I've been talking them up, I, I can't do it. As cringy as he is, as lame as he is, like, I just I cannot do it. The guy, they're finally letting my man cook, and and he's showing what he should have been doing for three, four years now. I can't bet against him, especially when I get the hook in the in the six and a half rather than the seven. I just I mean, can't do it. And like I said, maybe that is the public in me, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I'm I'm willing to die on my shield for I mean, Russell Wilson rather than bet on Fitzmagic with all the fa- all the the circumstances going in his favor. Yeah, I'll give you that. I was going to say, like, I want to see if uh, Byron Jones coming back for this game. Like, I know he came out of the game last week. I don't know his uh, status right now. Like, he's questionable last time I seen him. Granted, folks, we are recording on Wednesday right now, so we don't know the actual, like, uh, uh, injury report for all these teams. So, if Byron Jones plays in this game, you still got Xavier and Howard playing at uh, the other side of the corner. They have a nice secondary. That's just it. So, that would be a little bit factor. Like I said, I don't expect Miami to win this game. I really don't. Just, just a bit of fantasy advice. Watch the injury report because if Byron Jones doesn't come back, again, you're gonna have you have to do your research on this because I'm not a hundred percent sure. Xavier Howard is a corner that only plays one side of the field. I'm pretty sure it's the right side, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Whoever whoever he's not on, so whether it's Lockett, well, just either one you can start if if Byron Jones doesn't play, there's going to be a rookie on the other side of of Xavier Howard is what I'm getting at, and that, that's not going to bode well for him. Russell Wilson is going to is going to just target that guy, whether it's DK, whether it's Lockett. I'm guessing they'll probably put DK on him just to overwhelm him with size, speed, and athleticism. Yes. Just they'll probably just try to overwhelm him with DK. So if if Byron Jones doesn't play, fire up your Seahawks receivers, man, because it's going to be it's going to be a fun day. 
Yeah, they're gonna put that guy they uh, drafted out of Auburn. Uh, I can't even pronounce pronounce his name, but yeah, man, it, guys, it's, it's a long one for sure. Yeah, the one that yeah, the one that usually plays the slot. But you know, if Byron's not playing, they're gonna put him in there for sure. I would say for a damn if that's the situation, he is like who is as big as uh, DK? You know what I mean? So right, right. Yeah, that that'd be something to look forward to, or excuse, uh, look towards as far as fantasy slash betting with, but. We digress. So the next game on the docket is the Chargers are coming off their loss to the Carolina Panthers. Woof. They're going to Tampa Bay, who surprisingly has shown their defense has been pretty good as of late. Uh, Tampa Bay at home is a minus seven favor against the L.A. Chargers. Is there a lot we got to talk about this or? I mean, when it actually comes down to like the game itself, I think it's fairly obvious that the Buccaneers probably win this one. And, uh, like for me, this is an easy, easy game to put as part of a teaser for people who don't know what a teaser is. Like this is more for my, my experience better. And I'll actually let Jake explain what it is. He's really good at putting this into terms, but if, if your experience better and you know what a teaser is, this is a great game to put in a teaser because you can tease, uh, you can tease Tampa Bay down to minus one and a half. All they have to do is win by two points. My favorite tease this week, I know I didn't mention it lastly, but my favorite tease of the week would honestly be the Seahawks down to half a minus half a point where all they have to do is win the game. I'm fairly certain they will. And then teasing Buffalo to plus three. But if you're not confident in either of those games, you could easily swap in Tampa Bay in the teaser. And I think, I think you're getting good value, man. But when it actually comes to the game itself, the Buccaneers win this one fairly easily. Going up against a rookie quarterback, bad offensive line. They got if there's anything the Buccaneers have shown us, that defense is legit, man. And I don't see Tom going in and losing to a rookie quarterback when he has all he has the better weapons, the better defense, the better head coach. Like everything points to the Buccaneers winning this one. If I had to pick a side, like I said, I would tease this one down, man. I don't think I would bet it outright. But if I had to, I would I would I think I would take the under the under forty three if I had to make a pick. I just don't see the Chargers putting up much points. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a low under. And you're right though. I don't see the Chargers putting any points up myself either with uh, Justin Hay Bear or Justin Herbert coming in there. Uh, I think that he's going to get rude awakening in this one. I mean, the fact that he couldn't do a whole lot with uh, Carolina's rookie defense that was out there. You know, like we mentioned before, like they had seven draft picks on that on that. You know, basically on their starting lineup. Tampa Bay, like, I feel like they're legit. You know, they got, uh, excuse me, Todd Bowles is their defensive coordinator, the uh, ex-Jets coach, but he came at, in the league as a, a defensive coordinator, and he's pretty legit. Uh, Tampa was showing me a lot with what they did with Denver. Now, granted, I know they're playing Jeff, Jeff Driscoll last week, but they did what they should have done. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, they did this or that. Like, they at least won the game. But, no, they shut him down. They got a BS touchdown that made it 10 points, allowed a field goal after that. You know, the, the, the touchdown was kind of garbage points. Man, I just – I don't see them – I don't see them giving a whole lot of points up to the Chargers. Like, what right. do they have right now, you know? I think it's a similar situation. And, honestly, I mean, I know we don't really – we don't look back to the past all that much. But, man, was that Buccaneers bet last week not the easiest – the easiest uh, dollars you ever earned, man. That, we seen that one coming from a mile. We talked about that on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, this was close to being one of my uh, locks of the week, so Tampa minus seven, but I'm going to hold off a little bit until a game we talked about a little bit later. But 
Yeah, I don't see Chargers giving any kind of fight. Like, honestly, if this was a 31 to 10 game, it would not surprise me one bit. Right. So keep it moving. Uh, we already mentioned Pittsburgh, Tennessee. We're waiting to see what that game's being played at. And the fact that is, as of right now, it's talking about being a Monday night game. They don't know if they're going to move it to Tuesday, which would yeah. be awesome. I had just I had just got a, a report on my phone not too long ago that they're talking about making it 5 p.m. on Monday and making it a Monday night doubleheader. Man, that would be insane. That's that would that's, be so awesome. It, yeah, for us in the East Coast, I mean, it stinks for the West Coast because now you're watching the game at 1 p.m. like with, yeah. uh, during the workday. Like that kind of mm-hmm. sucks. Excuse me, it would be 2 p.m. I guess out there. Right. Uh, yeah, for us it's awesome, but. You know, we're not missing much on Tuesday if you want to play the game. You know, we're not missing, what is it, Fantasy Island or Fire Island or whatever island it is. Yeah, so that being said, we're going to skip past that one because we don't – there's not a line out right now is what we're getting at. There's nothing for us to bet on. Like, you cannot place a wager on that right now. Yeah. So the next one we got is Baltimore and Washington. So Baltimore just came off that Monday night loss, got kind of shellacked. You know, the number says a little bit better as far as the score, but – Realistically, Baltimore just kind of got manhandled, but now they have a 45-minute bus trip up to Washington and Landover, Maryland, from where they're at in Baltimore. They are 13-point favors against the Washington football team. I mean, is there a whole lot to discuss about this? This is another game where, let's be real, We know, I mean, Vegas is right on the money. The Ravens are going to smack the, the Washington football team, and it, it's probably not going to be fairly close. The only thing I will say is, if there's anything that Washington succeeds at, it's, I mean, their strong point is that defensive line, even that whole front seven. So the one thing that the Ravens do do well is run the ball. I mean, we saw it on Monday night, like uh, when Lamar was forced to throw the ball, he didn't look great. And that's not a great Kansas City defense. And I'm not saying that this is a great Washington defense as much as I'm saying this is a great Washington front seven. But if Washington can find a way to stop that run, I mean, if they can find a way to stop the run, they could maybe keep it within this 13. I just have a hard time giving 13 points to – or only giving 13 points to Dwayne Haskins against this stout Ravens defense that's got a like a really great offense. I, yeah, if I had to pick a side here, it's Ravens minus 13 and a half. I could see this being – truthfully, I could see this being like one of those Baltimore stoppings. Like – like I'm talking Baltimore versus Miami week one last year, 55 to 10. And that's, and I'm not kidding. I, I think the Ravens probably come out with a vengeance after getting kind of embarrassed on Monday night. Lamar's probably mad because let's be real. All that we've heard this week is a comparison from him to Mahomes, how Mahomes is, is the better of the two, how he's still not a, a pinpoint passer. This is exactly the game he needs to get right and show everybody, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here to stay still. Like just cause I have one bad game. We don't, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, and then some. So my my uh, take on the game against Kansas City, I felt like Baltimore uh, ditched the run real quick, and that's their that's their mo. That's what they do. Like you can't just change up your game plan on what you do every single week just because you're trying to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs, which obviously you need to do per se with the Kansas City Chiefs. But they got out of the realm of what they do, and it just seemed like they were trying to be something they're not. This is the game, like you said, is going to get right. You know, Dwayne Haskins threw three interceptions to the Cleveland Browns. What do you think he he's going to do against the secondary of the Baltimore Ravens? I just feel like, like you said, I could see, honestly, this is going to be like a 41 to 10, if they're lucky, 10 game, if that. Like, Baltimore is just going to curb stomp these guys, to be honest. Right, um, right. 
I mean, the point spread itself, like you mentioned, is, is kind of high. The fact that Chase Young isn't playing this game either for Washington kind of gives me pause on even them being able to do whatever they want as far as like that defensive front. Uh, they still have a lot of other players on that defensive front, but you lost Chase Young for this game. Like he's already out with the groin injury. He's not going to play with this game. Man, I don't recommend ever taking any spread in the NFL that's above double digits, but if you're going to do it, this would be the game to do it. Again, I would not be surprised if this was a 41 to 10 game by any means. Right. Just to give the Ravens some credit, because I know you kind of said like they ditched the run against Kansas City. Kansas City scares teams, man. Baltimore is a great, is a is a really really well run team. Harbaugh has a really good grasp of how to win football games, but it just shows Kansas City scares people, man. They they go up ten, and teams realize that, man, if we don't go down and score here, it's going to be seventeen quick, and then if we one mistake and it's going to be twenty four, they they really really scare teams, which is it's it's crazy to say, but it, it's true. Harbaugh showed it to us. He ditched the run as soon as they went down 10 points because he realizes that this can snowball quick, man, that they need to put points on the board or they're in trouble. Yeah, but play, they're, they're play a the scary game. force, man. Play the game that you know to play, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, you basically played in the hand what Andy Reid want you to play into. Like, he already knew right away. Like, once we get on top, like, obviously you have to ditch a run. They didn't have to ditch it as quick as they did in that first right. quarter, you know. They went down that first uh, possession where they run nine plays, got all the way down. I know they ended up with a field goal, but yeah, after that though, like they completely ditched what they were doing. It was just like, all right, well now you're just playing in our hands, but you know, that's a discussion for another day as far as playing chess, but so my friend, the four o'clock game that comes up on slate next, the New York football giants are traveling out to La La Land to play the LA Rams. And they are, I chi bow wow, they are, 13-point underdogs. I will give you the floor, my friend. Man, this I mean, I've never been more embarrassed to tell people people where my fandom lies in the NFL than, <laughs> than I am this year, man. I mean, it, it's bad. This, is, this isn't just the worst Giants team of my lifetime. This isn't just the worst Giants four- or five-year stretch of my lifetime. This is the worst Giants stretch of, like, the franchise's existence. I mean, this team is a joke, man. I mean, I've seen people like in fantasy realms going crazy over grabbing Devonta Freeman, and I'm thinking, I mean, did you see Saquon try to run behind this offensive line in the first two and a half weeks? Like, what, what makes you think? Uh, what makes you think this is going to be any different? I mean, I, I don't know. This team is in shambles. I could, I could really go on for a while. I mean, I have to you many times that Jake, if only. I know Jake's a good guy, so he would never do this. But if he ever wanted to embarrass me, he could just put out my long text threads of me going off about where this is, where this Giants demise all started, and why I'm a joke for ever even believing in this team. But the crazy thing is, Vegas has this right. This 13 points is is on the money, man. They're they're traveling all the way across from East Coast to West Coast, all the way out to LA against a scorching hot Rams team. Who, let's be real, man, they should be three and zero. They, they they should be three and zero. They got screwed last week on a on a real 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 shoddy uh, pi call against the Bills. That was not pass interference. That should have been ball game for the Rams, which ultimately allowed the Bills to go down and score, and they won that game. Which you know, two and one, three and zero. It's not the end of the world. 
But let's be honest. Let's be honest, though, buddy boy. We can talk about the the week one game where you know, like I mentioned before, uh, Jamie Fox, aka uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, did his uh, his fake show on our, my boy uh, Michael Gallup on that pass interference. So no, you know, no, you're right. What goes you're around right. comes around. No, you're right. But at the same time, they. I mean, they worked hard to get back in that game. They they scored twenty eight unanswered. Man, that that's a heartbreaker. But the Giants don't have anything for these guys. They're not going to be able to stop on offense. McVay's going to have his way. Here's the thing: if you think that Shanahan had his way with the Giants last week, a team that was decimated had nobody. Every we all knew what they were going to go in there and do. They were going to run it down our throat. McVay's going to do the same thing. They run kind of a similar offense, but he has the pieces to really put put a shellacking on the Giants, man. I'm going Rams minus 13, and I actually like this bet a lot. It's, it's something I'll probably put money on this week, and I hate betting against my Giants, man. But but when you know, you yeah. know, you know what I mean? And the thing is, though, like you mentioned, the fact that the Rams, and credit to, like, you know, you, you I always bust, you know, Jared Goff's, you know, balls about everything, and you were backing them. I give him a lot of props for the way he came back in that game against Buffalo. Like, Buffalo's not an easy team to come back against, especially in Buffalo. The fact that the Giants in New York, uh, Doug mentioned to me prior to this that they showed the injury list of the San Francisco 49ers and the way they got blasted, you know, besides the fact of the injuries. To your point, the Rams don't have those injuries. And now you're going out to their spot. Man, I, I feel bad almost like. For hitting on Jared Goff in the way he I was, but he showed me a, a thing or two in the last couple of weeks in the way he uh, had his poise and came back in that game. But dude, your Giants are just what they say. What they say. What they say. Show man, that's what that's yeah. what I'll say. I'll keep it PG, but they're an S show. Believe that. I was just gonna say what the kids say. Uh, F in the A. I think that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what what I what I will say real quick is like I, to give you credit. And to still give me credit at the same time, I don't think that you were completely wrong about golf, and I don't think that I'm completely right about him. What I think is there's 20 quarterbacks in this league that are good quarterbacks when you put in the right opportunity. And I think he's one of those. Do I think he's one of the upper echelon of those? Yes. But but I don't – I may have a different take than a lot of people, but I don't think there's a huge difference between someone, say, like Matt Ryan and – Someone say, I don't know, this is going to sound controversial, but maybe like, who can I throw out there? Maybe like Ryan Tannehill. I think they're all guys that when put in the right position, they can succeed. And last year, two years ago, the Rams offensive line played great. They didn't lose anybody. They come in the next year and they play terrible. The exact same unit. They just they just didn't play well. So then McVay goes to me and says, listen, this team – this team's success rides on your guys' shoulders. You have to play better this year. And they've answered the call. They've played better. The exact same unit he had two years ago that was great. The exact same unit he had last year that was terrible. It's the same unit he has this year, and they're playing good. I just think that to write off somebody when their running back isn't the same as what he was, a.k.a. Todd Gurley, I mean, he looks okay this year, but they just didn't get him the ball last year. Uh, they changed up the system halfway through the year. His offensive line was playing terrible. I think there's just a lot of quarterbacks in this league that when given the chance to succeed, will. And when when things aren't going well, won't. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to live or die by Jared Goff's success, but what I will say is I believe in Sean McVay and I believe in him to get the system together to let, let Goff shine. 
I will say this. He's definitely a prodigy of that uh, environment, especially with Sean McVay. Yes, for sure. Um, if he was on, you know, insert 10 other teams, like you mentioned, yeah, he. I don't think he'd be nearly as successful. But being as it may, he's still with the Rams. He's still with Sean McVay. So you can't fault him for that. Like he's doing what, sure. he, he's, doing what he's being asked to be done, I guess. So we're going to skip the next team on the docket because I feel like we're going to talk a lot about that. So we're going to go to Buffalo at Las Vegas. Buffalo is a minus three road favor in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I mean, Josh Allen at this point right now looks like the week three MVP of the league, what he's been doing. He's uh, sixth in passer rating and completions, way above what he was last season. It seems like Stefan Diggs has done a lot for that. Uh, man. Vegas, what do you got to say about the Raiders in this Buffalo game? So for me, like this comes back to what I said earlier about Minnesota, man. Uh, Like I've said this many times before, and I'll say it now, just reiterate it now. Giving up Stephon Diggs really hurt them. I think they thought that it would be addition by subtraction. And the fact that getting rid of a headache would help them out. And we've seen what it's done to Kirk Cousins in that offense. Kirk Cousins, he looks lost. Thielen can't get open and then you bring him over to Buffalo and it just shows how good of a receiver is. We've said it before. He's a top five route runner in the league. He's a top five separator in the league. He just never got the targets to show that he can put up top five numbers and he's still not quite getting the targets, but look what he's done for Josh Allen, man. Is it not amazing? Like the leaps and bounds that he's made this year. The thing about like accuracy and quarterbacks is usually whatever you come into the NFL as that's what you are. Like that's the hardest thing to fix. If you're not accurate, you're not accurate. Look at Cam Newton. He's still not an accurate quarterback. You just play to his strengths. There's There's been a thousand examples before Josh Allen, and there will be a thousand after him where your accuracy is what your accuracy is in most cases. I don't know I don't know what this guy did in the offseason. I don't know what – I'm not – like I don't claim to be an expert film studier. So I've, I haven't like deep dove into what, what Stephon's digs is doing for this offense. I don't even know if I would quite understand like – 100% what he's doing, but he's obviously, I mean, he's took Josh Allen to the next level. If he can stay accurate like he has been, I mean, he has all the tools to be great in this league, which is crazy. He's he he's Cam Newton. I mean, he is. He's like another Cam Newton, but now he's showing he can throw the ball. Like, at the end of the day, I like the Bills minus three. I'm going to turn it over to you, and we'll see what you have to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll say this about Stephon Diggs. I don't necessarily think he's the one that helped his accuracy out with uh, Josh Allen. Maybe the guy just put some extra work in. I mean, to be honest, like it doesn't matter how great of a route runner you are. Like, we still had John Brown, Cole Beasley, and uh, excuse me, I'm blanking on the last dude's name last season, but they were not doing anything wrong per se it was just josh like overthrowing people i I feel like josh put the work in like he heard the he heard all the uh talk about him or whatever Um, real quick i'm not i'm not trying to discredit josh what i'm saying is it's easy to be accurate when you have an elite separator like stefan he's like this dude he just what he does is he gets open you know what i mean and he gets up and gets the ball when when josh allen isn't 100 accurate accurate with his throw Stefan Diggs will make it look better by coming down with the ball. I get that 100. Exactly. I think I think it's probably equal 50 50. Like the, the, Josh Allen definitely put the work in. You don't you don't make leaps and bounds just by adding a receiver. Like we, that's clearly true. Right. Now, like I said, I, I like John Brown. I know he's injured right now. I always like Cole Beasley. I was I was bummed that the Cowboys let him go. 
But as far as this game goes, uh, Buffalo being minus three, this this is my lock of the week, man. I just feel like Buffalo, what, what, they, got, what they got going on, man, I know I talked about Jacksonville like, potentially being the lock of the week, but Buffalo, they have so much going on for them. I just don't believe – it's a prodigy if I don't believe in the Raiders and I don't believe in John Gruden. I think Buffalo has a mojo going on right now that they are just ready to take on the world. They're tired of hearing all the hearsay from last season. You know, Everybody wants to talk about them taking over the AFC East with New England like being on a downfall per se. I think they go in there and just stop them. Like minus three to me is not enough. And it's, it's one thing for a West coast to come to East coast because now you're playing on a 10 AM body schedule, but Buffalo come from the East coast to the West coast. I mean, they're still playing at 4 PM in their body schedule. Like it is not really phasing them that much. And, and and something that's not being mentioned, like there's no weather factor. They're playing at a dome, that brand new stadium. Like, I mean, no, nothing, nothing real fluky should happen. There shouldn't be snow, rain. You know what I mean? Right. And, and Vegas itself is like, you know, there's no weather there per se, except for like hot desert heat. But you know, be that as it may. And, and I don't think Vegas gets many wrong, but I just don't get. I don't get the minus three, dude. I, this would probably be this probably like if you wouldn't have made this your best bet. Looking at it right now, like I'm literally putting a hundred dollars on Buffalo as we speak. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, I'm putting a hundred on Buffalo as we speak, dude. Like live on record right now, folks. Like here's the thing: how are the Bills only minus three? And I fully expect this line to go up, dude. There's there's no way it doesn't. I mean, unless. The only thing I can think of, I don't, I don't have it on hand. What it opened as? Opened at two and a half. How? I get the Raiders are two and one, but they have to be the worst two and one team in the league, man. Oh, they're, they're not good. They just got embarrassed by New England, who's also two and one. Like this team is not good. This team is good against bad teams. Give okay. I've been hard on the Raiders and said that they might be the worst run franchise in the league. Give John Gruden credit where where it lies. He knows how to beat bad teams. He he's been doing this for a long time, so. When things are going good for him, he, he knows how to win football games when when everything's going good for him. But when when Josh Allen and Buffalo come in there and, and smack him in the mouth in that dome, dude, I, I don't I don't see him being able to recover. I, a Buffalo minus three seems like a seems like easy money to me, man. John Gruden has made his bones on the fact that he took over a Tony Dungy team in Buccaneer Land and won the right. Super Bowl. Uh, he got Carolina to beat that team. Barely in Carolina. Yeah, he got the Saints on a bad day. And that, I think that's what this number comes at. Not to mention that coming into the season, people already talked about in Vegas as far as like people just betting on the Vegas team just to prop that number up because it's the rah-rah, like, right. oh, look at us. I think that's where this number comes from, to be honest. Like, this minus three is just public perception because people are betting on the Vegas Raiders because they are in Vegas and it's a home game. It's such a fugazi number. Like if this, if they were in Oakland and it wasn't Las Vegas they were playing in, this number would be like probably minus five, minus six. I feel like so. Right, that's for sure. Such a value pick. Right. Uh, we didn't. I know because we didn't have a pod last week. You didn't really get to talk about it. But man, week two when the Saints go there on Monday night and they re- and they reveal that stadium. How, how nice is that? That Vegas stadium, man. When they can finally have fans there, that that thing is nice, dude. Yeah, the problem with that. Being in Vegas, too, like, those are such Fugazi fans, yeah. I feel like, dude. That's what I'm going to say. They're never going to have diehard fans right. like they did in Oakland. But just from the outside, the all black, how the field rolls rolls outside, like, 
Man, that's a nice stadium. Yeah, it's a little different from uh, sharing the same uh, ball field as uh, Oakland A's, you know what I mean? Where you actually have a. I never. Dude. Where they have the. I never understood that. Where they have the infield. On their on their actual field themselves, is he here's, is he here's is he kicking one, a field goal from second base or what's going on right now? <laughs> here's the one thing I'll say: like everybody in Oakland, it was so mad that the team's leaving. What do you expect? They won't even pass a levy to like get a new stadium. They're sharing a stadium with a baseball team. You you thought they were going to stay there forever? You can only be kicked on and and spit on and just put down for so long before finally you're like okay you know what we're gonna go somewhere where we're wanted these guys want to build us a giant stadium and in a land where all they do is build big build big giant buildings like they wanted to be wanted and they're finally wanted john gruden's got his poster on the outside of the stadium hanging from hanging from the pillars like like they went somewhere where they were wanted i i get why oakland fans are mad but at the same time they got to be realistic they should be mad at whoever they're governing bodies are that they didn't they didn't get this team a new stadium man yeah i was gonna say like mid 90s there was 10 different teams that shared a baseball and football stadium in the mid 90s and all of them realized afterwards like hey we're billionaires we can build our own that's what i'm about to say this is too big of a business to be doing Seriously. something like that jeez i will say this though that uh um uh, mike davis is the poorest owner in the whole entire league so he actually had to go to vegas just for the tax break and everything like that because he could not right, pay right. all that stuff but we can divulge in that another day so the game i wanted to skip over because i figure we talk about it for a little bit we got arguably the best game of the whole entire week we got new england going to kansas city kansas city yeah. is a home favorite at a touchdown at minus seven what do you think See, about this one, buddy boy? Man, this, this is I'm almost speaking over you just to get to talk about this game. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, you're not lying. Uh, See, for me, this this will be so. I have a little four TV setup or whatever. You know, I got the big screen, a couple smaller ones around it. This will be on the big screen at four twenty five. Yeah, you mentioned one hundred percent. You mentioned the week before you're watching Antique Rogue Show over uh, whatever insert game we were talking about before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There wasn't a lot of good four o'clock games, but this this will be on the big screen on the four o'clock game. I'm so intrigued by this game. I I can't wait to see what what Bill tries to do to stop this Kansas City offense. I mean, I think we have a pretty good idea of what he's going to do. We've seen him play him a couple times. What he normally does, like I said, I'm not an expert at breaking down film, but what he normally does is he will bracket Tyreek Hill. So he'll put a safety over top and put uh, whoever his second corner is over there. He'll put a safety over top. And then he'll allow Stephon Gilmore to lock up the other side of the field, go one-on-one with Sammy Watkins. But I just don't see how that's going to work. Like, I get I get it worked last week in shutting down Darren Waller, but shutting down one or two pieces is a lot easier than shutting down five. He wasn't able to shut down Kansas City last year, and all they've done is add talent since then. I mean, they added Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We saw last week Miko Hardman is starting to come into his own. I just don't see a way that they're going to be able to shut these guys down. And then when you look at the other side of the ball, the Patriots are kind of like a dink and dunk team. They don't have anyone that can take the top off the defense. They did add a playmaker in Cam Newton. I mean, let's be real. But at the same time, they're kind of a team that like strives on long drives and real, real methodical play calling. I just don't see them being able to keep up with Kansas City on offense. And I, I know they have a great defense, but so did Baltimore. We've seen how that worked out. I just, I, I don't know. It's going to take a lot to beat these Kansas City Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't see them looking over this game enough like they did 
against the Chargers. Like, I think they come in ready to go, and I, I think they they smack Bill Belichick in the mouth. And I know I know what you're going to say about Bill, and I'm going to let you say it, but <laughs> I, I just I don't I don't see these guys beating Kansas City in Kansas City where, if you remember, week one, Kansas City had fans. So they're going to have fans again. I don't see New England going in there. I like Kansas City minus seven, and I definitely will be betting this game on, on Sunday. So uh, Doug was referring to, because we – Text, you know, like he had mentioned before throughout the week. Jake has said this to me a hundred times, probably five to 10 times in my lifetime. Yes. Yeah. Five to 10 in one week, probably. Yeah. So you don't make money betting a bet, uh, betting against Bill. And that's the saying in Vegas, not just me. Like you don't bet against Bill Belichick. You have a 23% ratio as far as betting against Bill and the spread. That being said, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. Like, yes, New England and Bill Belichick as a coach himself is very good about shutting down one specific aspect of a team, a.k.a. Darren Waller last week. And we can see what he did and what happened to the, the Raiders. But we're talking about the Raiders compared to the Chiefs right now. To your point, it's hard to shut down six separate offensive players. I, to me, I just trust the fact that you have the McCourty brothers, you got Stefan Gilmore, you have Cam Newton on the other side of the ball. I just think that there is enough in that tank. I just think like you look at the game against like Seattle and Cam Newton was literally on the two yard line, could have won that game if they didn't, if, you know, Bobby Wagner didn't step out that play and knew exactly where Cam's going to run that draw at, they could have potentially won that game. That being said, Kansas City being on one day less rest, you don't think Bill Belichick was watching that whole entire game? Don't get me wrong. I like Andy Reid a lot. I think he's the best offensive-minded coach in the league. But now you're going up against the best defensive-minded coach in the league. I would take... Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator over Steve Spagnuolo as a defensive coordinator as far as an equalizer. I think that Bill will watch what the Chargers do against Kansas City and the way they can hold them in X amount of points. You know, they went to overtime two weeks ago with them. I just think that with seven points, uh, dude, I can't go against New England, man. I just think that with seven points, that's a lot. I'm not saying that they're going to win the game. I just think within seven points, New England can keep within them. I just don't, man, I believe in New England. I believe in Bill Belichick, which is sad to say. I love Kansas City. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be the AFC uh, championship winner. They're going to be the one that represents the Super Bowl again. But New England's going to give them a fight, and I feel like this is the game that's going to prove it right now, to be honest. You, you want to know what it sounds like to me? What's that? Sounds like off air we need to, we need to find a little uh... – little bet on the spread action just you and me my friend take vegas out of the equation i mean will we I mean, we can do it online right now what do you want minus seven we got we got I mean, a minus seven just, just a hot little just a hot little 20 bucks you know just something small just something to give us a, give a something to something to a bet fr- against a friendly you. bet online right now for the listeners to listen to i have new england plus seven you have kansas city minus seven for 20 dollar holla run Run man, it. The first the first ever fan pop head to head. Run it, man. Lock it in. Let's We're just it. joking, federal <laughs> yeah. federal investigators. Yeah. We're just ha ha. Just a friendly bet. Twenty bucks, yeah. Just a friendly yeah, bet. I don't, I don't care. Hopefully. <laughs> so that being said, we got that locked in. Uh 
Sunday night game. Uh, I think they, this would have been a lot sweeter preseason looking than it is now. But we got. I was about to say, if you looked at the season, I'm gonna let you still introduce the game. But what I'm just saying is, if you looked at the season, this is probably a game you would have circled. That's man, I can't wait for Sunday night week. Yeah, four. absolutely. Especially because this is a team that I bet on in week two, and they completely. It made me look like yeah, it was not a yeah. good look. So we got San Francisco hosting Philadelphia. San Francisco opened at minus three. They are now minus seven. <clears throat> There's a lot to be debated on who is going to be available for San Francisco as far as Debo Samuel. We're talking about Raheem Mostert, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you name it, but with Philadelphia, I mean, sh- shoot, they're they're healthy as far as what they had like on the field last week. So, man, minus seven. What do you got for this, man? So, man, I would have loved if Gattis had minus three. That that that's what I would have loved to do. So, looking over the practice report today, I saw that uh, George Kittle did practice. Um, Garoppolo did not practice again. Well, we're, uh, I mean. We're just going off of what we see on a Wednesday. Um, yeah, I didn't. Kittle got a full practice. Kittle got a full practice in. McKinnon got a full practice in. I know he was the only with a rib injury. Garoppolo didn't practice. Mostert did not practice. Jordan Reed, we already know he's done for six Man, weeks. Man, seriously, um, you're talking about injury prone dude. If man, see here's the, here's the thing. If I don't know that the Garoppolo thing is that big of a deal. Um, I don't like the Eagles. I don't. But without Nick Bosa, I don't think, and Solomon Thomas, I don't think that this defensive line is as scary as they once were. Like, I mean, clearly, I'm I'm not picking the Eagles to win this outright. But man, I actually kind of like the Eagles plus two plus two fifty five on the money line. I'm going to take the Eagles plus the seven. I just think they have enough to keep it keep it together. Carson Wentz on Sunday night, the whole world's going to be watching. Man, here's the thing: if they don't perform here and they go to zero and four, their season's over. So- they have to perform. So here's the thing about Carson Wentz. He has six interceptions on the season. If you look at PFF and the potential interceptions he should have had, he should be at minus 11. He should have 11 interceptions right now, whether that be the cornerback that read the ball wrong and just let it go through his hands or the wide receiver that kind of broke the, the pass up in general. Minus 11. The next closest player is minus four in turnovers right now. That's almost that's a that's three times as much right now. Carson and I'm so glad that Kevin and Mike are not on this uh, pod right now because I was uh, Carson Wentz truther at the beginning of the season and I didn't understand why they took Jalen Hurts, but man, he has just looked like a bum. I I, I don't get it. No, no. You see, you don't have to apologize for that. That's not on you. This proves the fact that we talked about. You have a quarterback that you go all in on. And in the second round, rather than grabbing offensive line help where your team is just decimated right now, you grab a you grab a backup quarterback who's clearly not ready to play right now. He's a gadget guy as we speak, like right this second. How many people pick a second round pick to be a gadget guy? It doesn't happen. Maybe they should have picked a tackle or a guard, you know, somebody that could have helped their team right now. And maybe Carson Wentz wouldn't look like this. At the end of the day, this guy's out here running for his life, man. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, speaking of your backup uh, replacements being drafted, next thing we're going to talk about on Monday Night Football is Zeus 
the aforementioned Zeus from Mount Olympus throwing down lightning bolts, Aaron Rodgers, is playing the Atlanta Falcons in Green Bay. And they are a minus seven home favorite against the Falcons. So, so before I break this down, forgive me for going back, but I just have a quick question for you. All right. Do you think, I know they got a defensive lineman with the 13th pick, but do you think with the injuries that San Fran has on the defensive line, do you think they would have traded that 13th pick for Buckner if they could go back and do it again? Uh, I would have to look at Kinlaw's stats and what he's been doing. Um, I mean, to be fair, they played both New York teams, which I could be on the defensive line. And I mean, who could tell? Uh, that being said, you know, I, I would want to see what Kinlaw's doing. And I would want to see what uh, Buckner's doing for the, the Colts right now as comparison. I would say for the value, the fact that they gave up Buck, Buckner for Kinlaw and the fact they could get Brandon Ayuk, who actually had a decent game last week. I would say they probably wouldn't go back on that. But, you know, time will tell. And like, you know. It is what it is, I guess, when it comes to like uh, hindsight. Right. I just, my thought is just having a proven defensive lineman who can rush the passer a little bit. I mean, he's not a great pass rusher, but a proven defensive lineman on that unit that is now minus Solomon Thomas and minus Nick Bosa. I just wondered if you, what you thought about that. But I mean, let's be honest. If you want, go ahead and uh, go ahead and reintroduce this next game. I just, I just wanted to make sure. I want to ask you that question before we. Yeah, I got you. I'll just say, like, far. be honest though. Solomon Thomas has not done a whole bunch since they drafted him that year. So, <laughs> yeah, he has been a boss. Yeah, he is ready to be. There's a reason they pick up. They didn't pick up his uh, fifth year option. But anyways, back to yeah. the Monday night game with I uh, aforementioned Zeus from Mount Olympus, Aaron Rodgers, my pick to be the MVP winner of the league. They are. So- Go ahead and tell the people what you got Aaron Rodgers at this year. Uh, tell them the bets you made, man. Go ahead and toot your horn a little bit. You know, shoot your shot. I don't want to. It's going to jinx it. <laughs> you got to tell him. You got to tell him. You already mentioned it. You said you picked him for the MVP. Shoot the shot, man. Plus 3000 So my $100 bet gets me $3,000 if Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP this season. So that being said, I might be calling him Zeus just to like prop that up a little bit for all the you know people listening right now. That being said, they are hosting the Atlanta Falcons in Lambeau, Monday Night Football. They are minus seven at home against the Falcons. What do you say about the Falcons coming in here? Dude, okay. Before I even get started, I just I just want to, you know, give a shout out to the other pod. You know, they do such a good job, and I love them. I, I listen to them just as much as they listen to us, and this is all a good fun, but... What about Aaron Rodgers, boys? What about Zeus himself coming out here through three weeks and showing you guys, hold off with the disrespect. The man's not shot. He just, you know, y'all must have forgot. Like the great Roy Jones Jr. said, y'all must have forgot. But when it comes to this game, I'm, I'm propping up Rodgers only to, only to tell you guys that I think I like this. the Falcons plus seven and a half. This thing has a giant over-under. What I'm seeing right now live is 57 over-under, a 57-point over-under, which, again, we just said that 48-49 is average. 57 is huge, man. Not many over-unders get over 55-56, even if they're projected to be shootouts because Vegas still needs people to bet on both sides of the line. I think the Falcons, I mean, they have put – they're averaging 30 points a game through the first three weeks. It's their defense that's, that's – crap in the bed right now i think they can come out here and keep up with green bay on offense i i think this game's decided by a field goal i think i think green bay wins it but i think uh i think matt ryan's had a lot to say about that and as much as i love green bay 
as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, as much as we love Aaron Rodgers, I think this is a shootout. I think it's another game where both Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers both show out. Definitely start all any fantasy asset you can find in this game, other than the opposing defense, start them. You're going to want to start them. You're going to love the outcome of it, whether it be Hayden Hurst, whether it be Sternberg, Sternberger or coming back off an of injury. I don't know if he's coming back yet, but whether it be him, it, it doesn't matter. Whoever you can get, if they're healthy, get them in the game. Seriously, the kickers, all of them. I don't know what your thoughts are in this game, but I know this. This is going to be a shootout. The funny thing is, so every single Atlanta game this year has been said the same thing. Take everybody you can in that game as far as fantasy goes. And to your point, it has not been proven wrong. Uh, they have no defense. They have a great offense. It's it's bound to be a shootout. I mean, to me, again, Aaron Rodgers at home, minus seven. It seems like a lot. I want to see what – if uh, De- I would even say let's see what Devontae Adams is uh, health-wise. But, I mean, they went in New Orleans last week without him and still put up 37 points. I just think that uh, Matt LaFour is actually hitting his stride as far as, like, play calls. And Aaron Rodgers had said the same exact thing. Like, you know, he's, he, he's finally gotten into that groove where we can agree on the play calls. Man, that's a dangerous thing to say when you're Aaron Rodgers. You know, and the fact that, you know, we talked about Jordan Love being on there and the chip on his shoulder. Like, this man is just out to wreck leagues right now, I feel like. Ah, man. Ah, So, just speaking speaking on Devontae Adams, as of Wednesday, he did not practice today. Like, I mean, that's not a good sign. (laughs) It's not a bad sign. Like I said, like... They still went into New Orleans and beat that team. And they obviously have a far superior secondary than what the Atlanta Falcons have shown. So I'm right. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like minus seven, that's a lot. But what is it? The one thing I didn't, the one thing I didn't get to mention about Atlanta, I'm going to let you finish your point. Well, you know, I was just going to say, like, comparing New Orleans secondary to Atlanta, like, what has Atlanta showed us on defense? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, how, how does not, Terrell is just burnt toast out there right now, and I feel bad for him because as a rookie, he's just been put on the island week after week, man. He has no one to help him out. Here's the thing about the Falcons is they're kind of Chargers-esque in the fact that the Chargers are a great defense coming into every year, and then one, two, three key injuries ruin ruin their defense and make them a decent defense, right? See, the problem with the Falcons is they come in every year as a average to below average defense and for some reason Keanu Neal can never stay healthy Big Beasley could never stay healthy I I get he's not on the team anymore but what I'm saying is they lose Keanu Neal they lose one or two key pieces and they go from a below average to average defense to a terrible defense and that I mean that's what's happened again this year you can do whatever you want with this Falcons defense pick your poison if you want to run on them you can run on them if you want to throw on them you can throw on them it's really whatever you want like I don't know what it's like to be a offensive coordinator, but if I ever got one chance, I know this, I would love to play this Falcons defense, man, because I'd have a job in the league for 20 years. Heck, if you want to kick an onside kick that no one's ever seen before, when it just spins around like a, you know, like a dreidel, you know, why not? <laughs> man, that was something yeah, else. Yeah, man. I had not seen anything like that before. So that being said, I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't not, 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 not take the Green Bay Packers with the minus seven. Kind of, kind of right. the negatives on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Green Bay minus seven, man. I just, I wanted to believe in Atlanta so hard, but I, dude, 
time and time again, like, how can you anymore? Yeah, yeah. Don't hear me wrong. I don't think Atlanta's winning this game. I just think that their offense can keep them closer than seven. I mean, if you look back, they haven't really been blown out this year, have they? I mean, they blew the lead against the Bears. They blew the lead against the Cowboys. And then week one, they played. Who did they play? They got blown out by Seattle. They're yeah, yeah, they did. You're right. They did yeah, get blown out by Seattle. Yeah, but again, they 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 put out a de- they put up a decent amount back, of points. Though, I will right? say that they were down by 18 at halftime, and they came back and made it like a relevant game. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they they lost by. I mean, they lost by. 13. Are really? They should they should be Brandon. two and one going in this game. But the fact, right? You know exactly. what? Now that I think about the fact that they aren't man minus seven. You know what? Screw that. I'm going the other way. I'm going to Atlanta plus seven. <laughs> We brought you. We brought you to the dark side, buddy. Again, I'm not saying. I don't hear us wrong. I don't think Atlanta wins this game. I just think the seven points. And what I see it on on my side right now is seven and a half, which I really like. I mean, Atlanta minus se- or plus seven and a half. I'm 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 taking that all. Keep day. in mind, folks. This is also uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning that we're recording this. Yeah, this is Wednesday. so. That being said, this line could very easily go to seven and a half. If that happens, jump on that all day long. I say that. In- so real quick, real quick, just to recap for us. Uh, your lock, your lock is my lock of the week. My lock of the week is the Saints minus four and a half. Get it in as quick as you can. Again, this is Wednesday, but if Michael Thomas comes back, that number is going to skyrocket. Not saying it should, but believe me, it will. Uh, yeah, Saints minus four and a half at the Lions in a dome. They're used to playing in a dome. No fans. Saints minus four and a half. And yeah. go ahead, man. My lock is Buffalo minus three in Las Vegas. I just don't see them not coming out that game with, with more than at least a field goal. Uh we got some we got some ground to make up, my friend. Like we both we started yeah, off pretty hot two and oh in the first week, and then we have gone 0 and four since. So, you know, like we mentioned. We yeah, we we don't claim to be experts. We just we've been doing this for a little bit, you know. We we have a little bit of knowledge again. You you should have covered with Atlanta last week. Let, let's be real. Let's let's be real about that. And again, I told you that I was going to give the people New England minus five and a half. Last minute, when I put it out on Sunday, I changed my mind. I went to the Jets minus eleven and a half. That one hurt bad. That that stung because I personally also bet on the Patriots. So I really wish I would have gave that pick out because that was a nice pick. But we need to bounce back week. This man, I. I I like both of our picks a lot. Like I, I like our picks a lot like I did week one, really. I, I think they're two great bets, and they're two bets I'll be making 100%. Yeah, I mean, heck, I bet, I bet the Bills live on air, so what, what more do I need to say? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You're right. Uh, that being said, folks, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hopefully you guys learned something from us and uh, it, maybe put a coin in your pocket. But, uh, Doug, remind them where they can find us on Twitter. At FanPovPod, man on twitter interact with us there come say what's up put out fan polls all that at fan pov pod fan pov pod find us on twitter sincerely we uh appreciate any kind of feedback you guys can give us and let us know what you want to hear anything that we're not doing right or wrong uh correct us on things and uh and we'll go from there always love you guys thank you so much and uh we're out for fan pov Podcast.